This podcast may not be suitable for young listeners. We discuss very emotional topics and at times use grown-up language. Each episode could contain content that may be triggering to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. To all the NPEs out there listening today, I want you to know that you are not alone. You are valid. Your feelings are valid. Your trauma is valid. Your identity crisis is valid. Your truth is valid. Hi, listeners. Welcome back to The Secret in My DNA. Thanks for tuning in. As promised, this episode will cover my unexpected family secret by way of an at-home ancestry DNA kit that I did back in 2016 that suddenly made me an unwitting new member of the NPE club. NPE meaning non-paternal event or not parent expected. Some names will be changed or abbreviated for privacy purposes and also so I don't get fucking sued. So in 2016, my husband and I were getting settled into our newly purchased home in Port St. Lucie, Florida after transplanting down here from New York. We were trying to start a family and had been struggling with that for two years. We were also trying to figure out how we'd be able to afford to go to a fertility clinic for help. We were super stressed about the cost. This will come up again a little later in my story. Anywho, one night my husband suggested we join Ancestry and learn more about our family trees. We both created accounts online, even downloading the apps on our phones, and spent months tracing our family history. We really enjoyed it. After a few months, Jason suggested that we purchase the Ancestry DNA kits so that we can learn the percentage breakdown of our heritage. At first, I declined because there were like 100 bucks for each kit and we really needed to save money for the fertility clinic. Plus, we just purchased a house. Plus, I was trying to get my new dance studio up and running after closing my studio in New York and I was basically starting all over again in Florida. So... I was really busy trying to acquire new clients and start contributing again to the household finances. He eventually talked me into it because I'd been considering going back to school to get a degree and we thought that my Native American heritage on my biological father's side may help me financially if I had a high enough percentage. So online we went to order our kits. Now I need to digress a bit here to fill you in on my family history. I was born in 1977 in Syracuse, New York. I was always told that my mother's side was Irish and German, and my father's side was Algonquin and French Canadian. I was raised by my mother for the first seven years of my life until she remarried in 1984. She then went on to have four more children with my now former stepfather. They were all very close in age. I was the oldest. My first half-sibling arrived when I was eight years old. From there, it was like bam, 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 and I had four half-siblings. I realized now as an adult that I was responsible for them more often than any child should be responsible for four young children. When I look back on it now, I realize I had no childhood really. The relationship with my mother was toxic, to put it mildly. I was her personal maid, her personal nanny, and her personal punching bag, both physically and emotionally. She struggled with mental illness, which was going untreated because she refused to get professional help. You see, when I was a toddler, Jehovah's Witnesses knocked on our door. They lived in the apartment below us. 
my mother was sucked into their bullshit and then began my life of being raised in what I now believe to be a cult. Among other things, they definitely do not believe in seeking professional help for mental illness outside the church, which is fucking insane because none of them are professionally trained to deal with and treat mental illness. They prey on people who are vulnerable mentally, emotionally, and financially. They prey on the weak. They found a young mother who was desperate for help and they sucked her right in. From there, the brainwashing began. Many, many years of brainwashing. She met my former stepfather through the church and they continued to raise us all to be followers of Jehovah. Women are typically controlled. They are to be submissive to men at all times, although my mother never was. Decision-making is for the men of the church, not the lowly women. A career, higher education, nah. Women are just the homemakers and baby makers. Marriage at a young age is typically encouraged so that there is less time to be tempted to commit fornication. Sex before marriage, bad. You can't see me right now, but I'm rolling my eyes into the back of my skull. Not to mention the fucking pedophilia that runs rampant through the organization, but we'll save those stories for another time. So at the age of 16, I'd finally had enough of my mother's abuse, both verbally and physically, and I left home. She had found out that I was secretly in contact with my biological father, and she forbid me to ever have contact with him. So he and his second wife took me in for about a year, but I went through a very dark depression because my mother would not let me have any contact whatsoever with my siblings. I missed them so much. I cried every day for a year. Eventually, my father couldn't take it anymore and sent me home to the mother of the year. When I was 18, I moved out on my own and rented a duplex. Having been brainwashed since my toddler years, I continued to be a JW. At the age of 19, I eventually met the man who would become my first husband. He attended a different kingdom hall. That's what they call their places of worship. We were engaged after only a couple months of dating and married a year later. This was for a few reasons. One being the reason I mentioned earlier with the whole sex before marriage thing. Also the fact that I just wanted to get the fuck out from under my mother's thumb and the other reason is that dating JW couples cannot ever be alone together. You date with the intent to marry only. You are not allowed to date until you are ready to find a marriage partner. Once dating, you must be chaperoned. I know, right? What is this, the 1800s? Of course, our marriage failed after two years. I realized three months into our marriage that I truly did not know this person. Gee, I wonder why. I was subsequently banished from the church for not having scriptural grounds for divorce. They disfellowshipped me. I was shunned. None of my lifelong friends would even speak to me for fear of what the church would do. I lost everyone I loved. Typically, family that is involved with the organization, I mean cult, would also be admonished to cut off all ties with the family member who has defected from the church. It was a bit different for me on that end though because not long after I announced my impending divorce, my mother also decided to divorce my stepfather without scriptural grounds. My former stepfather defected soon after this as well. So this was a really tough time for all of us, especially on me and my siblings. They were very young, 
their world was turned upside down and neither of their parents were any good at helping them navigate through a messy divorce. Honestly, both of my mother's divorces were messy. She was vindictive, very difficult, so, so mean. She was so unbearable to deal with, in fact, for her first husband, my father, that he gave up and relinquished all rights to me when I was just a toddler. It meant no child support and no visitation. Poof, he was gone. I did, however, remain very close to my paternal grandparents, although my mother really put them through hell every time they wanted to see me. She very much limited their time with me. My stepfather, she put through hell as well, and she brought my four siblings right along. She used them as leverage, as pawns. It was gross. It was disgusting. It was so much drama. Unfortunately, it would set the stage for the type of adults they'd grow up to be, struggling with mental illness, drug and alcohol addictions, and the inability to function as productive, successful, happy adults. For me, watching that was like watching a train wreck in slow motion and being perilous to stop it. As they became young adults, their behaviors and bad decision-making really took a toll on me. I began to realize that they really didn't care about me. Their selfishness knew no bounds. Our relationships began to deteriorate, and over time, after many years of trying to help, trying to steer them down the right path, trying to be there for them, I eventually had to go no contact with my mother and my siblings in 2014 for my own mental illness. My biological father around that time moved to Florida and didn't keep in touch, so I didn't bother either. We never had an emotional connection. He was just not capable of maintaining a father-daughter relationship. After my divorce and separation from the church, I eventually integrated into the real world and realized just how clown shit crazy it all was and how lucky I was to break free of it and come out the other side as a strong, capable, high-functioning member of society because, quite honestly, I should be a fucking lunatic. I do suffer from anxiety and was diagnosed a few years ago with complex post-traumatic stress disorder, also known as CPTSD. But I have managed to somehow not fall into any of the dangers that people suffering from those afflictions often do, like substance abuse or addictions. I do tend to get spun up pretty easily and am very sensitive and emotional. I'm hyper vigilant and a constant self reflector, and I'm also very hyper perceptive. I do tend to dissociate a lot. I've learned through many hours of therapy that those are my trauma responses, and I'm learning to navigate them. It's hard, so hard, especially now that I'm a mom. So, After a lot of short-term and a couple of long-term go-nowhere relationships throughout my 20s and 30s, I eventually met my husband, Jason, in 2012. Sometime in the first year of our relationship and after several very strong drinks, he proclaimed that he was going to make all my dreams come true. He wasn't wrong. We were engaged in 2015 and before we knew it, he was getting a great job offer in Florida. We were sick to death of the New York winters, so they didn't have to twist our arms at all. We sold the house, packed our four cats into the car, and hightailed it to Florida. Sunshine State, here we come. Oh, and another interesting tidbit is that my biological father and his now third wife lived in the area we were relocating to. We had reconnected long distance a couple of years prior, 
and traveled down to Florida to visit them for a couple Christmases in a row and really fell in love with the area, which is why Jay decided to start seeking out jobs here. Okay, so now we're back to where I left off at the beginning of this episode. So we moved to Florida and I was trying to form a relationship with my father and his wife. Everything was going great. Then one night, Jay's like, let's order the Ancestry DNA kits. And I'm all like, no way, it's too expensive, meh. And then we ordered them anyways. So when the kits arrived, we were really excited. We filled the vials with our saliva, which took way longer than I thought it would. I realized that I'm not a very saliva-y person. I really struggled with it. But I was eventually successful at filling my vial and we sealed them up and eagerly ran out to the mailbox to send them out. The results took about six weeks. He was at work when the results came in and we both agreed to not look at the results until we had time later that night. Keep in mind, we were also in baby making mode, so priorities. Looking at the test results would have to wait. Finally, it was bedtime. Teeth brushed, check. Jammies on, check. I grab my laptop and we both run to the bed like two little kids ready to open Christmas presents. We looked at Jason's results first. Everything was as he'd expected. Nothing out of the ordinary. Cool, now it's my turn. As we sat there in bed silently staring at my pie chart of ethnicity breakdown, I was instantly very confused. I was afraid to speak because I didn't understand what I was looking at. It was a true what the fuck moment. How could my pie chart be telling me that I'm 50% Italian? This has got to be a mistake. Obviously, Ancestry doesn't know what the fuck they're doing. They mixed me up with someone else's DNA, right? I'm not Italian. That's impossible, right? Suddenly, the silence is broken by Jason saying, um, so, yeah, you're like 50% Italian. It's all a bit cloudy because I was in shock, but I think that is when the words, what the ever-loving fuck, came out of my mouth. Then Jason asked the million-dollar question I had been dreading to hear out loud. Does this mean your father is not actually your father? And there it was, said out loud. I wished I could snatch the words right out of the air and shove them back in his mouth and then never speak of it again. But I knew Pandora's box had already been opened and there was no going back. Now there was an innate desire to find out just exactly what was going on. The first step that I took at the advice of my husband was to pick up the phone and call my mother. We hadn't spoken in nearly two years at this point. I never told her I was moving to Florida and I never even gave her my new phone number. Now suddenly I was confronting the woman who gave birth to me 39 years ago at 10.45 p.m. on her fucking birthday. Now, in my defense, I didn't even know it was her birthday because my entire life she refused to celebrate birthdays due to her wackadoo religious beliefs. We grew up not celebrating birthdays or holidays. So she answers the phone and the world's most awkward question came out of my mouth like a thousand knives. It hurt to even speak the words. I put the phone on speaker so that Jason could hear her reaction. First, she laughed. It was a very uncomfortable, almost maniacal laugh, frantic even. Then came the denials, obstinate, 
unyielding denials, continual declarations that my father is my real father and there can be no other because she didn't have sex with anyone else. My gut told me she was lying. Jason's was telling him the same. And as the conversation became more serious, she became hostile and defensive. Alarms were going off in my head and the voice of reason was saying to me, she's lying. The rest of the conversation was mostly her trying to belittle me as usual. And of course, she had a lot of choice things to say about my father as well. It ended with her hanging up on me. I was stunned, literally in shock. Denial sets in. I stared into space and began to desperately rationalize the situation. My brain tried to find a logical explanation for this. Migration patterns from many generations ago, infidelity on my father's side of the family from before my mother and I ever even came into the picture, was someone of Italian descent adopted into our family a long time ago, was a baby in our family switched at birth, was I switched at birth, my mother was my mother abducted by aliens and forced to procreate with an Italian guy and she doesn't fucking remember what is going on. I call my stepmother and inform her that my DNA results are weird, like super weird, like my father might not be my father weird. She asks if I want to talk to him. I decline. I wasn't ready. I was so overwhelmed. She said she talked to him for me. Needless to say, I did not sleep at all that night. The next morning, my husband goes to work. I open my laptop and log back into Ancestry, and holy shit, there are DNA matches waiting for me on my profile. First cousins in Syracuse, New York, were linking to me by DNA. Now, that doesn't make sense to me because I know all my cousins. How could I have first cousins that I've never heard of? And why are they Italian? The predominant last name linked to me was the last name Primerano. My head was spinning. I decided to call my mother's youngest sister, we'll call her Aunt M, to see if she could answer some questions for me since obviously my mother is not going to help me. Without mentioning the last name my DNA was linking me to, I asked her if my mother had been dating any Italian guys around the same time she got pregnant back in 1976. Her answer? The only guy that comes to mind is Rich Primorano. He was your mom's senior prom date and he was friends with our brother. Now in New York, proms are typically held in June. I was born nine months later in late February. You do the math. My laptop fell off my lap onto the floor. I suddenly and without warning felt the contents of my stomach hurtle up my esophagus to my throat and into my mouth. I quickly cupped my hand over my mouth to prevent any vomit from ruining my brand new sofa or rug. I swallowed hard. It burned my throat and nostrils. It felt like the fires of Mordor going all the way back down. I gained my composure, picked up my laptop and asked my aunt to repeat the last name for me again. I stared at the name on my computer screen as it was repeated, Primerano. I threw up a lot that day. Now, while I was still on the phone with my Aunt M, I texted my mother asking her why my DNA was linking me to the relatives of the man she went to prom with. She emphatically denied it again, 
claiming that she never ever had sexual relations with Richie Permarano and then informs me that he died in a motorcycle accident last year, so it doesn't even matter anyways. This, this is how I find out that my potential biological father is dead. I immediately Google Richard Primorano obituary. Instantly pops up a photo from an obituary. I gasped so hard I choked on my own spit. It was like looking in the mirror. It was like looking at the male version of myself. This is so hard. He was unmistakably my father. The DNA was strong. I threw up again. A barrage of texts between us ensued. It wasn't pretty. It was downright horrid. Not long after this, and without my permission, she gives my new number to my siblings that I've gone no contact with. My phone starts blowing up with the most hurtful text messages from two of my siblings, my brother and one of my sisters. They, for some reason, thought this was about them. My mistake, I totally thought this was about me, but my sister habitually loves to make everything about her because narcissism. And she promptly stated how she feels about the whole thing while repeatedly calling me a liar on several occasions and accusing me of making all of this up because, and I quote, how unhappy and desperate are you to be questioning where you came from? Uh, well, for starters, I didn't seek this shocking life-altering information out. It hit me unexpectedly like a freight train. And what do you not understand about DNA doesn't lie, but okay, I'm the liar. Really? Who would want this to happen to them? It's not like I just decided one day at the happiest, most content time of my life that I want to find out that I have a father I never knew about. I mean, give me a freaking break. Also, according to my sister, I come from a planet called Satania, so the mystery of where I come from is a little less uncertain now, thanks to her. At one point, she even emailed me and said, there's a reason you can't procreate, thank God. Nice, right? There were several times growing up that I actually asked my mother if my father was really my father. I didn't look like him. I didn't look like anyone in my family. My mother was a blonde with blue eyes and my father had black hair and blue eyes. I had hazel eyes and brown hair. Like I said before, he had no emotional connection with me so something just always felt off. Whenever I asked her, she would get very defensive and dismissive. I even went so far as to ask her if my father's Italian best friend could actually be my father. Boy, was she pissed at that question. But my entire life, people would always assume I was Italian. I even typically dated Italian guys. They'd always ask me if I was Italian and I was always like, nope. Another really interesting thing, get ready for this. My mother had Polaroids of photos from prom night with Richie. I would every now and again take those photos out of her cabinet and stare at them for a long time. The man in the photos was so handsome. 
I loved those pictures. I was obsessed with them. My mother was so beautiful. She had opted instead of a prom dress to make herself a blue satin and sequined tuxedo with a matching top hat. He had on a blue tuxedo with ruffles. They were stunning. If I can figure out how to add photos to the podcast, I'll definitely add them. So I was very drawn to his photo. I never understood why. Now I do. I was looking at my real father. And now as a 39 year old woman, I was looking at his obituary. This man had gone to his grave never knowing he had a daughter. He had never married. He never had any children. He wanted those things though. Unfortunately, he'd suffered a traumatic brain injury during a baseball game in his early 20s and it made his life very hard. His obituary says he loved animals, he loved to dance, and he loved the outdoors. Three of the things I loved the most in this world. I was very hesitant to reach out to any of his family members for a couple of reasons. One, they were still mourning his death just eight months prior. And two, I was so afraid they would reject me. Afraid they'd think I was crazy or possibly even think that I was trying to gain something from his death. But I just had to know the truth. I messaged the first cousin on Ancestry that I shared DNA with. A couple weeks went by not hearing anything back. So in the meantime, the man who lives in Florida that I thought was my father went with me to a Quest laboratory to do a paternity test. The results came back a week later. Guess what? The alleged father is excluded from paternity. These results indicate that R. Perret is not the biological father of the child Michelle M. Perret. Probability of paternity is 0.0000%. Devastation immediately set in, which was quickly followed by seething anger. During that two weeks, there was this part of me that desperately wanted to believe my own mother could never lie to me about something so huge. Now I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that she is a liar and a selfish one at that, all for her own self-preservation, all to avoid some embarrassment about having more than one sex partner and getting pregnant, without a care in the world about how this would affect me or anyone else in these families. Her cruelty astounded me. I notified her by text about the paternity test results and forwarded her the file in the form of a screenshot. She immediately denied it again. She refuses to admit the truth. She doesn't believe in science or DNA. She's willfully ignorant, which to me is the worst kind of ignorance. She still insists, even in the face of what would eventually be three DNA tests, that R. Perret is my biological father. Her denial runs that deep. In the last four years, I've given my mother many more opportunities to pick up the phone and tell me the truth or give some sort of plausible explanation. It never came. She and two of my siblings completely blocked me after weeks of harassing me with hurtful texts. And my other two siblings never said a word about it, never contacted me to see if I was okay, never wanted to get my side of the story. They were completely silent about it. While I was still reeling from the paternity news, I ended up paying for an online background search on Richie Primorano and acquired the names and contact information for his family. 
I learned that his father passed away several years before, but that he had two living brothers and his mother was still alive as well. This meant that I have a living grandparent, a grandparent that doesn't know about me. Holy shit. Then I get a notification on my Ancestry app that I have a message waiting for me. I read it. It's a reply from my cousin DNA match on Ancestry. Turns out he was Richie's first cousin. He's super into genealogy, so he noticed the match and was scratching his head too. When he read my message about my mother being Richie's prom date back in 1976, he knew exactly what was going on. That night, he reached out to Richie's brothers and mother. Then, shit got real. Thanks for tuning in to The Secret of My DNA. If you'd like to share your story with me and feature it on this podcast, please email pipsmommy at gmail.com. That's P-I-P-S-M-O-M-M-I-E at gmail.com. This is a safe space to speak your truth. Comfort and understanding is my utmost priority with anyone who shares their story. Stay tuned for episode two, Making Contact. <laughs>